I'm having problems with my memory. And my neurologist suggested that I write things down. He tries to explain these things. Like you're getting older, you know, your brain's getting all these messages and you can't decipher those messages as quickly as you used to. You know what I'm saying? $250 an hour while I'm listening to this stuff. <laughs> and he says, but don't worry. He said, if you forget something, if you walk in the bathroom and you forget something, you forget. If it comes to you later, then there's nothing wrong. It's just old age. And I'm going like, if I have to go to the bathroom and I get in there and I forget and it comes to me later, $250 an hour. God, you can, I could have gotten that at Walmart from the greeter. Well, seriously, it, it, it bothers me. When I spoke at Sunday school a couple of months ago, he suggested an outline. So I did an outline, which was good because I was talking about history. That's where I feel most comfortable, talking about history. Scott says, I'm going to preach. I'm not going to preach. But this was strange. I hadn't decided what I was going to talk about. And when I did, I went out to the office to start writing. And it wasn't what I wanted. I wanted to talk about grandmothers. But God evidently was telling me, this is what you're going to write about. This is what you're going to talk about. I'm going like, geez, here we go again. <laughs> it was very troubling. I, and about two weeks later, I explained this to Scott. That each time I go out there, I'm writing something that I don't know why I'm doing it. I even snuck out there at 2 o'clock one morning. I said, thinking, you know, the dumb me, that God's sleeping, you know, so I'm going to catch him off guard. <laughs> And I'm really going to get my stuff down here. And that didn't work out. So what you're going to hear today, I hope, will bring a smile to your face and give you some food for thought. Oh, by the way, I did invite Florence up here. And she more or less told me, shoot, 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 you're on your own. <laughs> my pew buddy, my pew buddy. So today I'm going to do a lot of reading as I wrestle with this memory problem. My first visit to Deep River Friends three years ago was this guest speaker for the yearly meeting. At that time, I wasn't worried about what I said or how it was perceived because I knew I wouldn't be coming back. No matter how bad my message would be that Sunday, I knew folks like Tom would say, great job, great job, you know, just being nice. However, that backfired the following Sunday when God decided to visit me and get me out of bed, tell me to get dressed and come to Deep River Friends. My wife couldn't believe it. After 32 years of being unaffiliated with organized religion, I was confused and very uncomfortable with God's decision to send me out here. Here, I was like throwing me back in the lion's den. You know, I got, oh, I got to go back out here and face these people. 
Now I had to face the same folks and find out how they really felt about me. You know the funny looks and whispers that make you feel uneasy when people are laughing behind your back, you know, strangers. Well, it turns out I was about to embark on a journey with a group of people called Quakers that I knew nothing about or what they stood for. However, one thing that I did know based on my research and writing, and that was the history of the Quakers and their relationship to educating the black race. What was God up to? Was God telling me that after 32 years he was sending me on a mission that would change my life and the life of the members of Deep River Friends? On the other hand, was God saying, this is your last hoorah? To date, it has turned out to be a life-altering experience for me and you. So, as of now, God has put my learning and sharing in the hands of Scott and all of you. My favorite teachers here have been Scott, Florence, Al Wayne, Gwen, Alice, Amelia, Eddie, and you too, Tom. Thanks for sharing. Like any other group of people that come together to worship, each one has their own personality, whether it's good or bad. We all tend to gravitate toward those who seem to be, uh, that we seem to be most comfortable with. Let's call it bonding. Just look around the meeting room and ask yourself, why am I sitting in this seat? Bet you never give it any thought. You do it all the time, have it, but there's a reason. Some of the bonds are just natural because your family has been part of Deep River for over 260 years. It is that day correct? Eddie? Eddie? Is that day correct? No, that, we have a going, going joke about the dates. <laughs> Bonds can be good or bad things. Sunday is referred to as God's Day, but it's the most segregated day of the week. The majority of our churches are predominantly black or white. Is this what God intended? We worship the same God, sing the same songs, read and quote the same Bible, but we segregate ourselves in order to do it. Personally, I think it's man's doing, not God's. Most Christians feel their way of worshiping makes them feel good, and they're not about to change. And it goes for us. Oh, that's right. I'm a personal, I'm a regular attendee. We're going to have to change that name. There's nothing in the Bible that addresses that. But does that make it right? Some may call this racist, but I call it bonding. We are all guilty of bonding because of our comfort levels, whether we want to admit it or not. One thing we can count on, and that is the day we stand before God and be judged, to be judged, and we can only hope that on that day we have done the right thing. When we walk into an unfamiliar room or any tight, large space, which takes us out of that comfort zone, we start scanning the room 
for something that makes us feel welcome, safe, and like me. When we find it, we tend to gravitate to that safe haven. My comfort level here didn't peak until my third visit to Deep River Friends. Everyone was nice to me, but I really hadn't bonded with anyone. That is until a young lady by the name of Florence Allen sat next to me during my third visit. I can't explain what happened, but on that day, without explanation, we bonded and became pew buddies. I will never forget the following Sunday when Florence sat next to me again. I had forgotten where I sat the previous Sunday, but Florence didn't. She leaned over and said, next Sunday find a pew that isn't over the vent. <laughs> my, my, res my response was, yes, ma'am. <laughs> and you know the rest of the story. I really get a kick out of watching reactions from meeting members when someone sits in their seat or on their family pew. <laughs> Woo! This usually happens when families come in for, on special days or functions. For some, the pew is where their ancestors sat for years. For others, they just like that particular seat. That cushion fits, fits them well, you know, when they sit on it. As part of the anim, animal kingdom, we seem to mark our spot. I don't know how we do it, but we put our scent there. We do something. That, gravity, that makes us gravitate to that area, that seat. The fun really begins when folks are entering the meeting room and their eyes go right to their seating area. Oops, someone is sitting in their seat. <laughs> you can see expressions change from smile to frown or disbelief. What do I do? Where do I sit? Should I make that person move? Once again, comfort levels have been challenged, and one has to decide very quickly what to do. Who will I feel better sitting next to, across from, crosses your mind? Where are the, where's the rest of my family members? As creatures of habit, we accept, deny, or reject what is happening at that moment. If it wasn't for the house of God, I wonder what the reaction might be. That's how attached we become. About three months ago, three years ago, I spoke at a church called Harshaw Baptist Church in Randall, North Carolina, small Baptist church. And I went in the head, deacon greeted me and talked with me. They took me back to minister and all the deacons in the room, and we prayed and came out, and the man took me to a seat. Third pew, that side, on the end. He said, sit here, and when we're ready, we'll call you up. Fine. So I sit there. All of a sudden, about, no, about a couple minutes later, I looked over. You know how you can look out the corner of your eye and I saw this lady standing there. <laughs> Elderly lady, tall, statuous lady. And she, boom, 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 hit my pew. Oh, uh oh. Yeah? I didn't, no, I didn't say yes. I looked at her. She looked at me like, oh, give me a move. So I just kind of put my head back down. She, 
So I did it. And she did like this with the cane like, this cane like, get it on out of the way. <laughs> so I slid down the pew. She sat down, gave me an evil eye. <laughs> Didn't look my way again. And when they called me up, I had to climb over five people, go out the main hall, go down the main hall, round again, up, which took about three minutes. But she was not going to let me take her out of her coffee zone. That was her safe haven, and I invaded upon her privacy. I was baptized and grew up in St. Mark Methodist Church on Washington Street. As a teenager, I witnessed firsthand how people can react when their comfort zone is challenged regarding a seat or pew. We had a lady that loved to get up and shout. Oh, she would just, oh, she would just go. And then she would just fall backwards. But she did it knowing that the person behind her was going to catch her. So she was comfortable. But when she came in there and someone was in her seat, her, I know what was going through her head. What do I do? So she has to go find another seat. Did she get up and shout? No. Because she was afraid that the person behind her may not catch her. Comfort level completely destroyed. We had a group of people, we called them the high society people at St. Mark, that sit and they looked at everyone that came in and what they were wearing so they'd have something to gossip about. That was their favorite pastime. They were also the ones that criticized the pastor for inviting the homeless and the winos off of Washington Street into worship. You know, they were giving that look like, hmm. You can hear that little grunt. Mm. Okay. Now, the question is, was their comfort or safety zone being challenged or were they just being snobs? I say snobs. One Sunday, my wife, who attends uh, Mount Vernon Baptist Church, decided to sit in another area. She loves to tell me this story. And Reverend Bass was sitting there. He hadn't been called up and she said he kept looking around the church, and she has had this concerned look on his face. And when it was time for him to get up and speak, the first words out of his mouth was, where is Sister Chavis? I know she is in here somewhere, because she was not in her pew where she always sits. So now we have a pastor that has been taken out of his comfort zone. Okay. Do, do ministers keep track of who is sitting where in church? Uh-huh. <laughs> oh, I can tell. I've, I've observed Scott, and it throws him off this morning. Remember when Benny, you're looking for Benny? He back here? And, and where is Benny? We get used to it. Do ministers become concerned when you are not in your on your pew or in your seat? I'm sure they do. Is he or she sick? Are they mad at me? Did I give a bad sermon? Are they ever coming back? Are they at the beach? 
about it. All these things has to go through a minister's mind when he looks out at the congregation. And he or she has moved around. Jan, you've thrown everybody off on this side this morning. <laughs> I know firsthand how changing pews at Deep River can throw you in a tizzy fit. Give you a little story about Florence and I. On our pew back there, during the summer, the sun shines through the window. I sit on the aisle seat, and Florence is next to me. Sun shines right on Florence. For those of you who don't know, anything above, below, above 32 degrees, rather, is hot to Florence. <laughs> anything, look, she's back there fanning now. <laughs> anything below 72 degrees is cold to me. So I'm sitting there complaining about it being too cold for me. So Florence suggested, next Sunday, let's sit on this side. No, no, then we got up. Let's sit on this side. We moved. The whole time that I sat there, I was completely out of my comfort zone and freezing. <laughs> my mind drifted the entire hour, and I couldn't understand or remember anything that Scott said when I got home. That's how important that seat was to me in the terms of my association with God for some reason. Florence likes to look around the room, and on that particular Sunday, I could tell it wasn't the same. She was trying to find people. Wasn't, she, wasn't, she was looking from the other side of the room. But guess what? The next Sunday, we were back in our seat. We were back in our safe haven, our comfort zone. I returned to my seat that makes the whole religious experience enjoyable for me. Does that mean that God isn't with us when we are, we are not in our safe seats? No. God is anywhere that he wants to be. But we have to be comfortable in order to enjoy the experience. Why is your relation, no, what is your relationship with God and where you're sitting in church? If you were to sit and that makes you feel comfortable anywhere in this church, then so let it be. But let's be willing to share our comfort zone with others who have no idea who has marked what seat and on what pew and with heaven knows with what. <laughs> the research that I did, I want to read something about pews. Scott, are you familiar with uh, pew rentals? This is the reason I ended up doing this this morning. Before the Reformation, pews were simply stones, rough stones that were pushed up against a stone wall. And that's where people sit. Before they were stood, the only people that were basically allowed to sit were the lame, the old, the people, whatever. But that changed. There was something called tides could not be enforced. So quite naturally, how can we make money? P 
people start bringing in uh, wooden benches and they put backs on the benches. And the church said, wait a minute, hold it. We're going to make money on this. So they came up with something called Pew, Pew Howard. Uh, uh, you might call it rental. Okay. Uh, everybody couldn't afford to rent a pew from a church. So they had what they call free seats. These were either in the back of the church or the room or in the second-story gallery. So if you didn't own your own pew, you were in trouble back then. But I want to read this 1844, and this is church pews, their, their origin and legal incidents of church pews. That doesn't make sense. But last, lastly, this comes from... Uh, Bishop uh, Corbett in uh, 1622, and this is what he says about pews. Stately pews are now become tabernacles with rings and curtains to them. There wants nothing but beds to hear the word of God. We have casements, locks, keys, and cushions for those who love the church. I will not guess what is done within them who sits, stands, or lies asleep at prayers, communion, and etc. But this I dare say, they are either to hide some vice <laughs> or to proclaim one, to hide disorder or to proclaim pride. So they came up with restrictions. I mean, some of these things were six feet tall, brass plates on them, okay, and they paid high rent. They even had a lease, you know, a lease, a deed. You could purchase a pew. You could sell that pew. And um, I'll shut up with this one. Uh, uh, LSD Church out in Provo. A man went to the meeting hall to visit. He was new. And uh, he sat in a pew, and as people came in, he told them that was reserved. Finally, someone came in and felt that that was their pew. They had been there for years, and they exchanged words. Words turned into fights in church. And the man was charged taken off to jail, but I never did get what happened to him. If you get a chance, uh, go on the Internet and type in uh, church pews, and it is so interesting. I didn't give you half the things that went on over some of these pews, but uh, they were used to raise money for churches, especially to pay the minister. Maybe we ought to try that. <laughs> I think I better close. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs>